Well, Easter is almost upon us, you know, where we're celebrating the resurrection, you know, that he is a risen savior, that he's alive and he ever lives for his people and for the glory of his father. And, you know, because he arose, he's the resurrection and the life for us. And, you know, that's how we long to know him. We want to know his resurrection power. In fact, you know, those of us who believe are all going to experience it. Right? We hope it, a touch in this life, but ultimately it's in the life to come because we will be resurrected to be with him. And I wanted to consider just this morning a, a, a prophecy that was quickened to me, and it had to do with an element of the power of God. I'm going to relate it to this uh, the concept of resurrection power, but the power of God coming uh, upon his people, you know, we need his power. We need his power to, to accomplish his will in our lives, to hit the mark. You know, we need his power to, to be light, a light to this dark world. Uh, you know, his power is, is everything to us so that we can overcome and walk in his way. And one aspect of his power that was really quickened was uh, one that we see in the very beginning of the church. You know, as the disciples were in the upper room, they experienced an aspect of the power of God I just want to bring out uh, this morning. And that was the power of the wind. You see, the, it, it talks about how the disciples, when they were gathered, they experienced the Holy Spirit, and he manifested himself as a wind. And I just want to consider that this morning. And, and we can read that in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And it says, As Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, just in that upper room. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And so God brought this symbol of a rushing mighty wind to blow upon his disciples, you know, and as a symbol of his empowerment, of the spirit moving. And, and so that empowerment, you know, along with the fire from heaven and, and so forth, but yet that, that was the symbol of the empowerment that went out or enabled them to go out and be a witness unto all nations. And, and in the same way, God wants to empower us to be witnesses for him and to go out and to follow him in our journey. And so that people see a power upon us and see an evidence in our lives that moves, moves us, you could say, that's moving us in his way. Um, you know, God wants to move us out of our natural, mundane, you know, existence of our way into a life of following him, a life of victory, a life where we're more than conquerors to hit the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, you know, and, and it's his power. It's the wind of the spirit that moves us. You know, I was just watching something about uh, how people who sail around the world, you know, it's interesting. There's, there's a, Sometimes when sailing vessels get near the equator, there's a certain phenomenon that people have given different terms to, but it's called, some people call it the doldrums. Have you ever heard that term, the doldrums? 
but it, it actually represents something that can happen at the equator. It has to do with heat rising and it affects the weather, but you can have a period of weeks with no wind. And so maybe you've seen stories of, of sailors becalmed is another term where there's no wind and they're just sitting there. Oh, they're longing for the wind to blow because, you know, a sailing vessel, they don't have engines. They're reliant upon the wind. But, you know, that's a good picture of us, how we're reliant upon the wind of the Spirit. But yet, when we're, when we're walking in our own way, we're not going to go anywhere. We're becalmed. Or you could say we're in the doldrums. You know, we might seem fine because, hey, we're doing our own thing. But if we want to get somewhere in God, we need the power of His Spirit. We need to be flowing with His Spirit. Now, what the sailors hoped for is they wanted to get into the trade winds. And, and it's kind of interesting is there's these channel of winds that go throughout the earth. And they call the trade winds because that's how the sailors got anywhere. If they wanted to go trade somewhere else in the West Indies, they catch the trade winds and it would take them where they needed to go. And it's a picture of how God wants to lead us by his spirit and have the power of his spirit flowing through us. And, you know, take us out of the doldrums of our own ways and lead us in his pathway of life. And so he, one picture of that is the wind of the spirit of God moving in our lives. Now, something else we can consider about the wind of the spirit is, you know, he speaks of the power to move us in God's way. But, you know, it also speaks of a power to destroy and remove what is not pleasing to him. Now, I wanted to look at this in, in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 34. Now, Daniel 2 is a picture of Nebuchadnezzar's image he saw. And there's something really specific we see about that, about wind. Perhaps you haven't noticed this before, but it, it's kind of jumped out to me of the power of the wind that's going to play. And so Daniel 2 and verse uh, 34, and, and it's, it, this is after the interpretation of the image, and this is what happens to the image afterwards. It says, you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image of, on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. And then the iron and clay and the bronze and silver and gold were crushed together and they became like chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that there was no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so here's this image that Nebuchadnezzar is seeing. And of course, this represents all the evil empires that have affected Israel, you know, over, over, uh, over its history. And of course, the culmination of this is the kingdom of the Antichrist. But Christ is that stone that comes from heaven and is going to crush and destroy and turn everything that the enemy is trying to raise up in these last days to powder. And it's the wind of his spirit that's going to blow it all away. And so that key point about the wind it moves away what is not established with his rock, that is not associated with the rock. Right? It's opposed to the rock. And so the wind carries it away. And so there's really two elements I want to bring out about the wind and, and this thought of the rock, because we, there's a strong association with the wind and the rock that, that we can consider. 
But there's really two elements with God's wind that are going to affect his creation and his people. In one sense, we're all going to experience the first element, which we'll look at here in a moment. But if we will prepare our hearts and, and meet God in that first element, then we will also experience the second element. Now, the first element that I would propose that we all experience associated with this wind is that the wind tests us. The wind tests us. I want to illustrate this by considering a, a familiar parable about the parable of the house founded upon the rock. Because in, in that parable, there's, there's the wind that blows, right? And so, uh, now usually when we read this parable, we read Matthew 7. And we're going to read one verse from that. But I, I wanted to look at also uh, for, from Luke as well. But So Matthew 7, 25, I'll read one verse where it says, The rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell for it was, or fell not, I should say, because it was founded upon the rock, so that doesn't fall. It, and it, because it was founded upon the rock. So this house founded upon the rock, it's firmly connected. That's really the key. That's really what, what differentiates this house and causes this house to stand, right? Because the rains come, the floods come, the winds blow, they beat upon the house, but it doesn't fall. But those winds, they come to test it. You know, we, we know what wind can be like here in Florida at times. In fact, uh, we're coming into that season now, right? It's, it's coming upon us, the hurricane season. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's a wind that blows spiritually, right? Or, or in our experience, experientially, you could say, in our lives. Um, and, and sometimes it feels like you're being beat upon. And, you know, you just feel the pressure of that situation blowing and moving. You know, the wind can be very powerful. Now, in the natural, of course, we understand that through hurricanes, um, uh, in fact, you know, wind is one of the greatest powers on earth. I mean, there's different categories of powers, but, you know, when you get up there, uh, in fact, the highest recorded wind gust uh, in the world was up in New Hampshire on Mount Washington. And it, I think it was back in the 30s. It's hard to imagine that they clocked a 231 mile per hour wind up there. I mean, that... You have to basically be in a bunker to survive that that wind. But that that's what that is up there. That facility. It's really a it's a tourist attraction because it's beautiful up there. But you know it can be seventy at the bottom, but it can be like forty at the top just because of the, the elevation and so forth. We we went up there. Um, in fact, they they send you know when it's not too bad and it's only a hundred miles an hour. They send the interns out and they, they, they video them, see if they can stand in the wind. You, you can watch that on YouTube, right? But that, the wind is, is so powerful. And sometimes we can feel that power and we, oh, Lord, I hope I can endure. I hope I can overcome. Well, what's the key? The key is where we're connected to. And so let's read this parable in Luke Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, and verse 46. And it says, why, why do you call me Lord, 
and don't do the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll tell you what he's like. He is like a man which or a woman, yeah, we could imply that, who built a house and he dug deep. He established a strong connection and he laid that foundation upon the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, it could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. And so there's a, that distinct um, thing that we can see here is he dug deep and established a connection to the rock. All right, it was, you could say, you know, the engineer might say it was a mechanical connection. So that it was, it wasn't just sitting on the rock, it was connected to the rock. It wasn't just next to it or just happened to be built upon it. It was connected. And of course, you know, we, we can actually uh, consider the next, per, the next uh, person that Jesus is bringing out. Like, so there's one who's, who's founded upon the rock. And in verse 49, it says, But he that hears and does not is like a man without foundation. He built a house upon the earth uh, against which the stream did be, beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, in this second example, Jesus is not necessarily uh, emphasizing the type of material, like because some translations say built upon the sand or different things. The, I mean, all houses are built upon the sand here in Florida. But what's the difference? It's the connection to the foundation. Right? What was lacking in this second person is he had no connection to a foundation. He was not connected to the rock like the first person. And so, but this house had no connection. So it was like a box just kind of put on the ground. And we know that that, that box just not connected to anything is no match for the wind and the rain. And the, of course, you could consider the floods too, just picking that up and floating it away. It doesn't have a chance to make it through the storms. And it all comes down to that point of connection. And in the, in, if we're you know, in the spiritual, as we're looking to this in the kingdom of God, really, the only foundation strong enough to cause us to endure every storm of life is Jesus, is being founded and connected to Jesus with that strong connection. And that will cause us to, to endure into eternity while everything else is blown away. And, you know, so Jesus is talking about these the points of connection. And, of course, the main one, he says, is whoever hears my words and does them, that person will be connected to the rock. Now, I would propose there's, there's different variations of that that we can understand. You know, maybe, and I would propose three areas of connection we have to regard in this concept of his word. Well, first off, as we were actually looking just at our, just looking at in our Bible study, we were talking about um, true faith and the difference between the logos, you know, as, and that Greek word logos is the written word, right? And so there's that first aspect. We have to be connected and founded upon the written word. 
and f- uh, that our lives are aligned with the cornerstone as we see Christ described in his word, in his law, that we love his law and our lives are aligned with it. And so there's the first aspect of his word. But then the second aspect is the rhema, which is the living word. And we, in the Bible study, we, we looked at that thought of illumination, that the Holy Spirit, he shines a light on his written word and it illuminates it to us and it, it is alive. And because it's alive, it's, it's speaking to us for our situation that we're facing now. And he awakens our hearts to what matters now and he gives us divine direction and guidance, right? Because how do we know uh, which of the 31,102 verses apply to our situation today? It's hard to know without the illumination of the Holy Spirit. So we need the rhema, right? And so there's that second aspect. We have to be connected to the rhema word and being led by the Spirit of God to speak to us. And then the third aspect, you know, when we're, sometimes we're still unsure, it's hard for us to get a sense of, you know, Lord, what are you speaking to me? And what's, what's my, the direction and the way I should go? And how should I be connected to you in this situation? Well, sometimes we need to, to go to spiritual authority to hear from God and to make sure and to confirm we are connected to the rock. And of course, the rock, it, it's kind of funny because here Jesus is describing the rock as something immovable, right? It's a foundation that a house is built upon, but yet he's also the lamb who leads us. And so in one sense, our connection is moving because Christ is moving. And we have to be following the lamb wherever he leads us. And so we're like, Lord, where are you leading me? How can I stay connected to you? Show me the path of life. Because our pathway is to always be progressing, you know, as it, and as it grows brighter and brighter under the perfect day. And so really we need to walk in all three elements in order to have that firm foundation and connection to Christ. And so we don't want to risk a weak connection in our lives with Christ. You know, on a building or, or you know, even say a, a bridge, if there's sometimes you can have these connections and, and it looks like, especially when you're looking at a bridge, we were just watching a documentary on a bridge the other day and it can have all these connections and it looks so strong. But sometimes in, in the olden days, they didn't realize the importance of building with, you know, with a single point of failure. And they talked about the difference today is they, they designed buildings and especially bridges so that if one piece breaks, other pieces are there to make up the difference. Whereas some of the stuff, you know, some of the bridges that fail, one piece breaks. And if that piece breaks, the whole bridge goes, you know? And so sometimes, you know, we have the roaring lion and he's out there to accuse us and devour us. And, and he's trying to find a weak point in our lives. And if he can bring a, that point of failure and maybe he gets at the only strong connection we have and there's other connections are weak, well, he can get to us. That's where we have to make sure all of our points of connection are strong with Christ, that we're founded upon the rock of his word. And maybe the, the different words he's t- told us to do that we make sure we're following those so that our connection is strong, that there's no cracks in, the, in our connections in those pillars of support of his word. You know, the spirit of this age is ready and willing to blow upon us. And here's another form of the wind 
that we could talk about. There's, there's the wind of doctrine, as Paul brought out. Right? He's, he's trying to warn his church that there's other winds that will test us to see are we founded upon the rock and to see if we'll be moved. And it seems like those winds are picking up, aren't they? Doesn't it seem like it's getting windy out there <laughs> with just craziness? And But, you know, outside of the church, but really when it's, I'm not as worried about the craziness outside of the church. It's inside of the church too when the wind is blowing to, to test who will stand firm to God and His ways. All right, so there's the wind of doctrine or there's the wind of deception, right? That's trying to deceive, right? Because wisdom and knowledge are a part of our foundation. Wisdom is crying out, trying to show us the, the right way to go to be founded upon the rock. You know, she's standing on the street corners crying out to those who are simple or unlearned and, and say, let them come and hear me and follow what I'm saying. And so if our knowledge or spiritual discernment is not strong, then we risk becoming disconnected with the rock because something else sounds really appealing. You know, something uh, Sarah shared with me a while ago uh, was that she was quickened with, and I was too, is this thought of flattery because we see that in the last days as something that is, is going to arise. You know, the man of sin, it talks about how he will deceive many with flattery. Actually, it mentions that three times in the book of Daniel. You know, and, and it's not just that man of sin, the Antichrist, that we need to worry about, but it's the spirit of Antichrist. Because, of course, the world would like to affirm everyone, you know, you're the best. You're, you're good just how you are. You don't need to change Right? You deserve to be recognized. You don't deserve to go through that situation. You know, we just appreciate you for who you are. You just trust in your own heart. That one always gets to me. You know. And there's many other lies of the enemy. And then, you know, Daniel 11:32, it says, "Such as do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt by flatteries." And really what flattery is, is just telling you what you want to hear. The sad thing is, is that there's a part of every person that there's, there's stuff we want to hear, you know, and that, that makes us feel good. But here's the question. Will those things keep us connected to the rock or will they not? A lot of times what we want to hear is, is, is not necessarily what keeps us connected to the rock because we don't want to hear that we need to change and you know we need to repent in this area or we need to meet God and we need to overcome this and so forth and, and we need to endure that hard situation. But you know the word of God and his spirit will keep us connected to the rock. But we have to be aware of that other wind out there it's there to test us. It's there to see if we can be moved out of the way. One of those strong spirits is the spirit of deception and flattery. But those who have a strong foundation, they will not be moved. In fact, I didn't finish this verse, right? Verse 32, right? There's a spirit of flattery 
the spirit of Antichrist in the world, but the people that do know their God. Now, what's the implication based on what we've already read? It's the people who know him, and if they know him, they're connected. The people who are connected to the rock shall be strong and do exploits. That's where we need Scripture to interpret Scripture. That kind of gives us a whole new light. I need to be connected to the rock. Because when I have those mechanical, strong, firm connections to the rock of Christ, we will be strong ourselves and we will do exploits. Even when other people are getting blown away because they don't have that connection. And when we're fully connected to God through obedience to his word, then we're candidates to experience the second element of his word. I talked about the first element is when to test. But there's another type of wind or aspect of the wind of God. You know, when, when Israel faced an impassable obstacle of the Red Sea, you know, the Lord told Moses, I'm going to fight for you. You just hold your peace. And in Exodus 14, 21, it says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. And all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them unto the right hand and to the left. You know, there's the power of the wind of God in our lives. Maybe we have a huge obstacle, but if we're connected to the rock, he can cause his wind to blow, and it's not going to affect us because we're connected to him, but it'll blow our op- what's opposing us out of the way, and we just walk right through it on dry ground. Maybe we face some obstacles in our lives that seem impassable, but God is giving us this promise that as we ensure that we are connected to him and we take care of and we cry out to him for anything that would cause that connection to be in danger. But we, and we, can, we are connected to him. His wind will blow and remove those obstacles in his way, in his plan. Now, one last result of the wind, you know, and I, I would categorize this, the wind that blesses, right? The wind that causes us to overcome. Um, you know, there Israel also experienced a mighty miracle of provision. Um, it's probably not something that's seen since the beginning of time, before or even since, I don't know. We won't turn there, but Numbers 11, it says, God caused a strong east wind to blow, and it brought quail to Israel. It provided for them. You know, and it fell all around the camp. Now, there's another part of that story where they weren't connected to God because they had some certain appetites and and so forth but yet his wind brought that provision it was his wind that provided for them and you know sometimes we can have need for provision you know it could be the natural and in in some way and you know we're saying lord i need to meet with you in this lord i'm just walking in obedience and so lord i'm looking to you for provision you know i'm always amazed at how at that time of need, provision just blows in, that God just provides. And that's what he loves to do for his people. But what, what is our need? 
It's like Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I could add in, I'm not adding, but you know, you could say that that can also refer to our connection with him. Seek the kingdom of God first and being aligned with the cornerstone, doing what is right in God's eyes. And all those things will be added unto you. And so we need that connection to the cornerstone through obeying his word, and it releases power. I'll close with one last story that kind of, I think, summarizes the power of God and how he wants to move. Um, you know, this is from a, a past revival that took place in the 50s and 60s in Argentina. And maybe some of you have heard this story or have read that there's a book about this, but um, you know, God used a man named Tommy Hicks. But before he came, there's a story of how um, there was a little church there that God used and they were praying for revival. And this pastor really was on the heart of the pastor. And he was having prayer meetings for revival, but no one came. You know, and he tried to have it at a convenient hour for everyone, but, but no one came. And so he's praying, Lord, what should I do? And, and the Lord spoke to him. It's like, well, if they're not having it at a convenient hour, I want you to have it at an inconvenient hour. It's like, okay, Lord. So he made it, I don't know what was inconvenient, the evening or I, I don't know. But he did that and three people ended up coming. And so they were praying for revival. And, and after they were praying, you know, he, he was just saying, is, is God speaking to anyone? Is anyone feeling anything? And this, this little old lady said, well, I feel the Lord speaking something really strange to me that I'm supposed to pound on the table. And he said, sister, just pound on the table. She, no, I'm sorry. That's just too strange. I can't do that. And they closed the prayer meeting. Well, they had another prayer meeting and just praying. And is anyone feeling anything? He's like, oh, I still feel to pound on the table. But I, I'm just afraid that's, that, that's not me. I don't do those type of things. And he said, well, sister, we are all going to pound on the table. I'm going to pound that this brother's going to pound, and when we're done, I want you to pound. And they all went around the table, all pounding, until it came to this lady. And she said, well, I guess they all did it. I'll do it. She pounded on the table. And as soon as she pounded on the table, the Spirit of God came into that room, and they described it like, like the book of Acts, like a mighty rushing wind just filled that place. And from that point on, God began to move and power, and miracles were taking place, and so forth. And eventually, God brought Tommy Hicks down and had filled up the big soccer stadium there, having revival meetings, and many people were affected and turned to God through that. It changed the nation, you could say. But it all started with that little act of obedience, of being connected to the rock, he who hears what I say, and he does it, you'll be connected. And that makes us candidates for the power of God, you know, so that we can endure the, the difficulties that come, but also so that we can experience the power of God in our lives. And so as we're coming into the, the Easter celebration, you know, we're, we're celebrating Christ as the, the resurrection and the life and the power. Let's remember the need to have that firm connection.
connection with him. Lord, would you speak to me? And Lord, would you give me a heart to do what you say, that I can be connected to you? And Lord, we do ask you, we call upon your name. Oh, Lord, as the resurrection in life, Lord, we pray that you would give us, Lord, a heart to be fully and firmly connected to the rock. Lord, just come and bring a fresh cleansing. Lord, bring a fresh working in our lives. Lord, if there's any, any weakness in any area of our connections, Lord, we invite you to come in by your spirit, that you would do a fresh work, a new work in our midst. Oh, God, cause us to be connected to the rock, Lord, to your word. Align our word, our lives to the cornerstone. Oh, Lord. Lord, would you cause fresh illumination, Lord, by your spirit, that you would speak your rhema words to us and illuminate your words that we could see the way we should go. And Lord, cause us to be, Lord, men and women under authority that, and, and not just of, of people, but Lord, under the authority of your spirit to be led by you cause us to be firmly established. Lord, help us to endure the winds that we see in this life, that, Lord, we could experience your power flowing in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.